This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers GM and Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest 4-2. Welcome back to this week's I Test for Two podcast. And yes, I'm talking to you, Ira Kaufman. You disappeared last week. Where'd you go? Uh, I, <laughs> I was AWOL, my friend. Uh, certain things stay in, uh, stay in Florida, and, and, that, and that's one of them. Yeah, well, uh, insiders tell me you were out there seeing Tom Brady last Thursday. Is that accurate? Uh, yes, I was at one buck place. Yes. Okay, well, Ian did a great job of pinch hitting again. It's the second time you bailed on us this year, Ira. And so much so that the Hall of Fame finalist, Reggie, Reggie Wayne, he nominated him for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Yes, Ian Glendon. So there you go, Ira. Anyway, welcome back. Um, I knew you'd return today because we have a special guest with us, and that's Fox Rules Analyst and the league's former head of officiating, Dean Blandino, with us today. But before we get to Dean... Quick question for you, Ira. Is Tampa more excited about the Rays or the Bucks these days? And what was the fallout from last weekend's game versus the Patriots? I am shocked you even uh, asked that question, my no, man. You're not. Uh, <laughs> the good news is the Rays are taking the tarps off the uh, the upper deck, and they think they can. Now they would have done better if the Yankees had been in the game, uh, the right. series. But uh, no, the Bucks. You know, Dean knows football rules the South. Florida's a football town. Even when the Bucs were 5-11, and 11, uh, they, they were clearly number one. Uh, but uh, there, there's some excitement about the Rays because, you know, they were in the series last year, yeah. and people think they can get back there. Uh, as far as the Bucs-Patriots uh, game, Clark, I think I speak for everybody and Buck Nation. Uh, they, they're over the Belichick-Brady stuff, and, and, and let's return the focus to the football team. Well, Ian was from New England, lived here for many years. He's now down in Tampa. And Ian here, of course, a lot of attention has been paid after that game to the Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones. I know you're still a Patriots fan. I think rightly so, the attention paid to him. Brady outlasted him, but he did not play him. And I, I don't know what Jones does for the rest of this season. But honestly, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well in a playoff type of environment. Yeah, I mean, the best you can hope for is just to watch him progress. I mean, anyone expecting him to play to Brady's level the entire season is, is kidding themselves. But you look at the things that he does well, and he's consistently poised. He's con- consistently making quick decisions. And, you know, that's that's more than you can ask for for a young quarterback, especially based on some of the pressure and situations he's already been put in so far. Yeah, no, I agree with you. 
Okay. Well, I mentioned we have Fox Rules Analyst and the former NFL head of officiating, Dean Blandino, with us. And we do. He joins us today from Los Angeles. And Dean, first of all, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Before we get to what's going on in the league today, Dean, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on what happened with the Hall of Fame in late August. And what happened was that former director of officiating, Art McNally, was named a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2022 as a contributor. Now, that doesn't mean that he's in the hall. It, uh, it doesn't. He's got to be voted on by the board of selectors. But Ira would agree with me. I'd be shocked if he's not elected to the class of 2022. And I know you've been a big supporter of arts over the years. Just wanted to get your reaction to his nomination. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so tremendous. What an honor for Art. And, and really, he represents the entire officiating community. The Pro Football Hall of Fame doesn't have any any on-field official um, in, in the hall yet. Um, and Art would be the first person um, to, uh, to make, that, make that jump. And Art is just, uh, not a lot of people know, um, you know, outside the game about Art McNally, but this is a man that has contributed more to the NFL over a longer period of time than anyone I can think of and, and, and was director of officiating going back to the 60s and, and, and really developed the modern structure in the officiating department, developed the first evaluation system, held officials accountable, um, over, oversaw the, the implementation of instant replay, major rules changes like illegal contact that took the that took the game and the passing game and really exploded it to, to the populate, you know, the popularity of uh, what it's become today, the, the game itself. So what a tremendous accomplishment and what a, just a tremendous man. I remember being a 24 year old intern at the NFL, not knowing anything. And art just took me under his wing and taught me so much. And I could not be, I could not be happier for, for him and his family. And, and what a tremendous honor. So you consider him a mentor of yours? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, since you mentioned rules and, and some rules changes, let's cut to the quick here. The Chargers' Joey Bosa made headlines this week, not so much by what he did as what he said after the Bolts beat um, Las Vegas on Monday. He got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and he had this to say afterwards. I mean, refs are blind. Simple. I'm sorry, but you're blind. Like, open your eyes and do your job. It's so bad. It's unbelievable. I mean, look at the play. But these guys have got to do a better job because it's been years of terrible, terrible missed calls left and right. It's uh, really pathetic, honestly. But Well, apparently, uh, Joey didn't hear me. I tried to interrupt him there, but he kept going. Uh, His head coach, Brandon Staley, apparently agreed. Um, If you had to sit down with Joey Bosa today, what would you tell him about officiating in general and maybe that particular incident in particular? Yeah, well, I'd ask Joey, how do you feel? You you know, know, it's kind of unsure how you really feel about the officiating. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's, look, I I mean, I haven't heard, and and this has happened in the past, coaches more so than players, but but they kind of speak up about the officiating. It's, um, officiating, it's a tough deal. Like, you're never going to make everybody happy. And if I were sitting down with Joey, I'd want to, you know, want to go through, go through, okay, let's, let's talk about the plays, the things that you've experienced, where do you feel officials are being inconsistent? Um, I think the tough part about officiating is, is we tend to focus on 
there's mistakes every game, right? Players make mistakes, coaches make mistakes, officials make mistakes. And I remember I, you know, I had two separate coaches, Bill Belichick and Jim Caldwell, tell me the same thing in two separate conversations. He said, he said, coaches make the most mistakes, players make the second most, and officials make the least. But but we focus on those mistakes, right? We focus on those two or three plays a game when there's when there's you know hundreds of other decisions that are correct and and it's part of the deal. And, and I think there is more, there, there seems to be more of a spotlight on officiating, at least through the first couple of weeks, the taunting uh, point of emphasis. I think that's something that has been, has been part of the conversation. Um, again, you're just looking for consistency. And that's what, if I was sitting down with, with, with Bosa, I'd try to, you know, okay, where are we being inconsistent? What, let's look at some plays together and kind of, you know, kind of share the official's perspective with him. Dean, um, we do our research on this show, and uh, something tells me you had a brief career, accent on brief, uh, as a stand-up comedian, Mr. <laughs> Blandino. Yes. Uh, I, wish, I wish there was some uh, YouTube video of you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to see that. Uh, you, weren't, you weren't making fun of the officials uh, from, uh, from that stand, were you? <laughs> Oh, no, I wasn't. And that was always just a hobby, something I like to do living in New York City and just go down to the comedy club. Um, I would do every year. Maybe not a lot of people know this, but we'd have an officiating clinic every year in Dallas where the officials get together, kind of like a training camp. And and we would have a, a, a dinner on the Saturday night. And it was kind of a let your hair down type deal. And we would do a roast. So I would always emcee that. So there, there's some not there's some stuff that probably wouldn't go over too well if it was out on the internet. Hopefully there's no video of those, those roasts because we would give the officials a, a pretty, pretty uh, hard time in that. Dean, in the realm of officiating and complaints, you know, pass interference, Dean, I mean, that, that stands alone. Pass interference stands alone. It's so difficult to uh, make a ruling on. Yeah. It's such an egregious uh, mark off. Um, Dean, I got a question for you about interference. I, I, I've been watching football like you have all these years. And Dean, I, I can't remember the last time there was a ruling of an uncatchable ball that kind of overruled uh, what was going to be called a pass interference. What, what is going on with the uncatchable ball? Yeah, so uncatchable, right? And the, the theory, the way I was taught and, and from when I started is these are – these are the best athletes in the world and we're going to give them every benefit of the doubt in terms of, so for it to be uncatchable, it has to be really obvious. It has to be, you know, airmailed into the stands because um, we got to give those receivers the, the benefit of the doubt because they are such spectacular athletes. Um, you know, I think we have seen it. So a lot of times it's not, you know, it's not an announcement. The official might make a signal. They just kind of wave one hand over their head when they're, when they rule, when they're ruling the ball uncatchable, but it is a, it is a very high bar, um, in terms of when you're going to make that ruling. But like you said, pass interference is so subjective. We saw what happened in 2019 when we made it reviewable. Um, I don't think anybody can sit here and say that was successful, uh, and again, because it, it is such a big penalty, the, the goal, you got to be consistent and, and you don't certainly don't want don't want overly technical ticky tack calls that are going to be 30, 40 yard penalties that those impact games. And then and, and that was always my approach at the at, when I was at the league office. We got to work with our officials and make sure we show them clear examples. This is a foul. This isn't a foul. And we got to keep, you know, keep working toward that. 
Dean, on the on the taunting angle, there was a play in the Raiders game with uh, Darren Waller on the sideline. I think he caught the ball and then, you know, he, he threw it down. Uh, but, uh, Dean, it, it didn't look like he did it, um, you know, to show anybody off. I guess yeah. the play came out. What, what did you see on that play? Yeah, I didn't think and it's tough to read intent. And I think that's the the I didn't think that was that was necessarily done in a malicious way. I didn't think it was a, was a foul. But but here the competition committee and and it was really the coaches, the coaches subcommittee that brought this to the competition committee. So that that subcommittee works with the competition committee. Andy Reid is the chair. You know, John Harbaugh, Brian Flores, um, you know, Mike Vrabel. There's other coaches that are a part of that. And uh, they were the ones that want, were pushing this this emphasis on taunting and felt that sportsmanship was kind of lacking and uh, the stuff that was directed at your opponent. So then the committee puts this point of emphasis in and then it's on the officials to, to apply it. And they've really put the officials in a tough spot because it's, you know, you want your officials to use discretion. They, they're, they're out there. They understand the difference between taunting and just the normal trash talk, the normal emotion um, and it feels like at least initially this, this point of emphasis has taken some of that discretion away. And if it, if it looks like taunting, it's a flag. And, and that's tough. And that's tough because the officials, if you give them that discretion, they're, they're pretty good at figuring out, you know, what is and what isn't a foul. We're speaking with Fox Rules analyst and the former NFL head of officiating, Dean Blandino, on the iTest for two podcasts. And Dean, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I already mentioned that about taunting. As a point of emphasis, Seattle's Pete Carroll earlier this year said, quote, it's opened up a can of worms that we don't like, unquote, basically because of what you talked about. Um, it's subjective. So um, you, you mentioned that situation with the pass interference rule, and, and that has been rescinded um, and, and, right, and rightly so. What do you think of this rule? And do you think there's a chance that they would roll this one back as well? Um, and, you know, in terms of replay, I, I don't know. I, I think it could work. I just felt like they, they never could quite get the standard right. Um, yeah. They there was this it just seemed like this 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 high bar to, to overturn the call on the field. And we just weren't seeing we were seeing some plays that I certainly felt were past interference that weren't getting weren't getting changed in, in replay. Um, or the other way around. And so I think you can do it. You just have to change the standard to say, okay, we're not going to have this, this, this golden rule of the ruling on the field is correct. And it has to be absolutely obvious that it's incorrect, but you just kind of reofficiate the play and in replay, you use the angles available to you and, and you make a decision as long as you're applying a consistent standard and what, you know, a decision that's made in Seattle is, is using the same standard as one made in Philadelphia, I think it can work. And, and look, the technology isn't getting um, any, the technology continues to get better. Um, the, the importance as you think about, right, sports, you know, sports betting and everything else, um, the onus is going to be on the NFL to make sure, at least from a perception standpoint, that these games are being officiated fairly and you don't have the Joey Boses of the world making those comments. So um, it, it's going to continue to be a point of emphasis in terms of using technology to help our officials. So I, I, I could see it coming back at some point. OK, let me ask you a follow up to that. The NFL PA president, who is J.C. Treader, sort of responded to Pete Carroll and he said he would support the removal of the rule immediately. And I'm talking about the taunting rule. Yeah. W would you? No, I wouldn't. I, I, I think again, and that's always been right. Sportsmanship is always right. Player safety and sportsmanship are the two kind of pillars. 
as you think about rules and, 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 and other things in my years with the competition committee. Um, and, and, and I think that, that to get rid of the taunting rule, I think that's maybe what, what JC is, is thinking is let's, let's emphasize it less and let, let's not be overly technical in this area. I think you still need to have the rule in place, but it's just how you apply it. And if you give the officials the discretion, um, they're really good. In my experience, if you tell them, Hey, look, you, you've got a, something that's clearly directed at an opponent, something that's done to, 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 and, and the, the language in the rule book, it talks about, you know, I, I always remember engendering ill will. That was always right. a statement that's, that stuck with me. Um, those types of things, because that can escalate and lead to something bigger later on. Somebody gets, gets, you know, the ball thrown in their face. Now they retaliate. Now we've got an altercation. So you still need the rule. I just think that that maybe we can pull back on, on the emphasis, give the officials a little more discretion, and I think we could get to a good place. Dean, two more for me. Uh, thanks so much for your time, my man. Yeah. Uh, let me know the next time you're up on uh, at Caroline's uh, Club. Uh, or, or <laughs> uh, Dean, uh, it's a cliche. I know it's a cliche that uh, you can call offensive holding on, on most uh, pass plays. But Dean, a lot of times cliches are cliches because they're true. Sure. So uh, on that holding, Dean, how hard is it to establish some consistency? Sometimes you see a guy looks like he's in a headlock. There, there's no call. Um, how difficult is it in those trenches? Yeah, I think it's very difficult. And, and it is, right? This old saying, you could call holding on any play. And I think that's how, you know, blocking has just evolved where if you watch the old, you know, you see the old videos from, from, from the thirties or the forties, right? The blockers, you had your arms out in front, you were blocking with your forearm. That's no, no longer the case. Everything is hands, right? There is a lot of grabbing, whether it's inside or outside the frame. So officiating has evolved with that to say, okay, the, the hands can be outside the frame, but once the defender gets outside, beats the blocker's feet, now you've got to let him go. Now, now you've got an advantage. So it's all about advantage, disadvantage. And, uh, and, and certainly at the point of attack, did it have an impact on the play? If it's on the backside, the run goes to the left and, and the receiver on all the way on the other side holds, does that really have an impact on the play? So I think that's where, where yeah, there might be holding on every play or the, the appearance of holding, but is it really a foul? It's hard. It's hard. Pass interference and holding are the two that, that are very subjective. And, uh, and, you know, last year there wasn't a lot of holding call. They let a lot go. And this year they've kind of tried to pull back on that. But I think, you know, when you let fouls go, especially holding like last year, then technique starts to, to get worse. Offensive linemen can, can realize, okay, uh, my technique doesn't have to be as good. My feet don't have to be as good because I can just hold and get away with it. And I think that's what we're seeing a little bit up this year as they try to rein that back in. Um, but it's very difficult. And again, you're just looking for consistency. Dean, last one for me. Um, Dean, is it fair to suggest maybe that um, certain organizations, franchises, or maybe even certain head coaches uh, sort of they have a reputation, Dean, and, and these refs are, you know, officials are human. Uh, I think of Don Shula, the Dolphins were always last in the league in, in penalties. Uh, part of that is because he, he taught it so well. Uh, maybe Tony Dungy, uh, the same thing. So Dean, am I, uh, am I way off base that, you know, officials sometimes could, could somehow be affected by reputation also on occasion? 
It's not like I'm not in every official's head, but it's something we certainly were aware of and just guarded against. And, and I think officials and there's a betting there's a vetting process and officials to get into the NFL. It's 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 a very, very long process. And you're looking for people that aren't going to be affected, that aren't going to be biased, um, you know, whether coaches and I always talk to coaches just from a communication standpoint, not that you're going to get a call or not get a call because you know, you're, you're, you're being a jerk on the sideline, but just from a communication standpoint, look, if you're communicating in a negative way, that official isn't going to want to talk to you. That official isn't going to want to exchange, you know, with you because it's just who we're all human beings who wants to, who wants to do that. But, but I think certainly um, officials, I can't sit here and say they're not, but, but they're trained not to, not to, to think about, right. We don't sit there and in their pregame preparation say, Hey, you know, 77, he holds all the time. You got to watch 77. You're going to, you're going to scout and look for different trends and different things that teams like to do, but you're going to try not to, you know, bias an official going into a game. Um, but yeah, some coaches have a reputation that, that from a communication standpoint on the sidelines, some are harder to deal with than others. Um, but I really don't think it impacts the calls on the field because they get evaluated. The officials get graded on everything that they do. And I don't think people understand that, that they are they are held accountable and all of that it accumulates. And if they don't grade out well, they don't get postseason assignments that costs them money. If they don't grade out well, they could get fired. So um, I don't think they're going to let whether, you know, their personal feelings about a coach or how that coach interacts affect how they call the game. It might com- it might affect communication, though. Dean, if I gave you the chance to make one rules change, what would it be? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think the, I think the game is in a good place. I was always of the of the mind of I don't think we need to change a whole bunch of rules every year because because we see what happens when we change a whole bunch of rules or, or a different point of emphasis. It's almost like we're back at square one, and coaches have to adjust, players have to adjust, officials have to adjust. You know, I would if we were going to expand replay. Um, I would probably want to stay away from subjective calls or really subjective calls like pass interference, but maybe look at, you know, what the colleges do with targeting because those 15 yard penalties, whether it's rough in the passer or hits on receivers, you know, defenseless players, um, those are big penalties and and replay could certainly help in those areas. So I I would want to look at, you know, maybe making some of those plays reviewable um, to help the officials get them right on the objective elements. Like was the contact to the, to the, to the head or was it to the, to the body or the shoulder? So I, I would certainly be interested in that. Okay. And lastly, since you mentioned it, do you think there is a chance of expansion of replay? I know that your predecessor, Mike Pereira, has been on here and says, I'd like to go in the other direction. I'd like to see replay less involved, not more involved. But sure. um, do you think that replay will be more involved as we go forward? Yeah, I, I think, and I know, and I've talked to Mike at length about this, but I think it's inevitable. And look, back in 1999, I was involved in bringing replay back. And I remember yep. George Young you know, the, 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 you know, Hall of Fame, and he was a general manager with the Giants and, 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 uh, you know, an executive at the league office. And he talked about that, that he said that the, the camel's nose is under the tent. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know, I had to look it up what that saying meant, but basically the nose and then the head and then the whole body, then the camel's in the tent. And that's how replay has evolved. And it's not going to go back right? Technology, they've added the video assistance where replay can give help in certain calls in real time. So I don't think it's going to go backward. I think we're going to continue to look at ways. 
And, and I think it's good. I think you just have to maintain that balance because certainly we don't want every play to be to be rejudged in replay where we're standing around waiting for some red light, green light notification and the games are four hours long. I think you have to balance it. But I think you will see an expansion as we move forward. Well, the uh, camel's nose here is out of the tent, Dean. <laughs> we're out of time. But thank you so much for educating us. Always great to spend time with you. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dean. That was Fox Rules analyst Dean Blandino. And Ira, where are you with the, the, the taunting point of emphasis? I think, uh, I, I think it's going to be overdone. And I'm using that Darren Waller play as an yeah. example. Right. Uh, to me, that was obvious. There was no intent to demean anybody. He wasn't trying to, sh- he didn't throw it in the direction of a Charger player. And the official, knowing that this emphasis is on taunting this year, kind of felt compelled to throw the flag. Um, so I'm watching this taunting thing carefully. Uh, Clark, I'm, I'm afraid that it's going to affect the game, and, and that's really going to be a bad look for, for the NFL, I think. Okay, Ira, I'm going to throw the final thoughts in your direction, and I'm not tossing any flag. What do you got? Well, what I got is everybody, including – Ian and you, my friend, that had the Arizona Cardinals as the last team standing in the unbeaten ranks after week four, hold your hand up. And I say, liar, liar. Come on, baby. Uh, You know, everybody thought that uh, their head coach was going to be in trouble this year. That was a heck of a win against a very good Rams team, and they beat them soundly. Hats off to the Cardinals, Clark. Yeah, I agree with you, but I saw a note the other day. They've had three other 4-0 starts. <laughs> Two of those times, they didn't even make the playoffs, and one of those times, they finished 5-11. and 11. Oh, my God. Hey, I got one other for you, Ira, and Ian, too, as well. Uh, I looked at the Bucks schedule going ahead, and you know what? I mean, it's set up for them to make another run, not only for division title, but deep into the playoffs. It is. They don't play an opponent with a winning record until December 12th. That's Buffalo. Wow. So, Ira, what are we going to learn about them in the meantime? You're absolutely right, Clark. And look at the quarterbacks that they're going to be facing, starting with Jacoby Brissett. And then I think they're playing the Eagles and they're playing the Bears. And you're right, Clark. And this defense, which Ian knows has struggled, uh, played a little better in New England. But um, you got to fatten up against these uh, nondescript quarterbacks, uh, Clark. And I think they will Uh, because they've been shredded uh, so far this season through the air. Yeah, I'm with you. What I learned here, I learned, as I said before, we're out of time. We want to thank Dean Blandino for educating us and Glendon for making this happen and you for listening to us. Oh, and also, Ira Kaufman for joining us at where, Ira? The eye test for two. So good to be back with you guys. So (laughs) good. You're correct, sir. We'll see you again soon.